0: If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of In The Details. I am really happy to sit down today with someone where I feel like, you know, Minda Hartz and I, our orbits have been crossing so many times. And while we've had brief encounters and I celebrate all the work that she does every time she pops up on any of my feeds, uh, this is actually our first time maybe diving in deeper to the details behind her success, her platform, her amazing books. She has a best Best-selling book, The Memo, where she's helping women of color secure a seat at the table and also a recent new release, Right Within. That's all about how to heal from racial trauma in the workplace. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Minda, welcome.
1: Thank you, Karen, for having me. Like you said, we've been orbiting in and out of each other's worlds online and it's good to, to finally be here together.
0: Yes. Yes. I remember when Right Within came out. I don't know if you remember I texted you because I was in the car and we just heard the song uh, by Lauren Hill. And I asked my son who was like, I don't know, 10 at the time. I said, Hey, do you know what it means to be right within? And I made this like whole lesson out of the Lauren Hill lyrics. Right. And then maybe three days later, I saw that you dropped a book with that title and it just felt so timely. I think that's amazing. What has been like your greatest joy between these two books, The Memo and Write Within, I know it's a journey to get here, but what has been your greatest joy bringing these to the
1: world? Uh, that's such a good question. You know, my greatest joy is people finally feeling like they're seen in the career narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many business books and career books out there, but they're mostly written by white men and then white women. And so we often don't get to see those business books about our own experiences in print. And so for people to say, wow, that was me or I can resonate with that just to feel seen. You and I both know any part of success is feeling seen, right? People valuing your work and and for people to say, wow, I didn't even realize I had normalized this behavior in the workplace and it feels good to, to be affirmed.
0: Absolutely. My therapist one time said as we were talking about things, he said, "You know, whatever feels personal is universal. We think sometimes we're the only one going through this, but you're right. When you share your own experiences and you see how that helps someone else on their journey, that's incredible."
1: Absolutely, cuz our success is not a solo sport. You know, I was in corporate America experiencing a lot of inequality and I felt like because I was the only, I thought I was the only one going through it. And then you don't realize that there's a lot of different people having similar experiences. You just have to find your people so you can, you know, learn to thrive together.
0: Absolutely. And when you started this, this started as a blog, right? The memo was like, it was <laughs> it was a, a letter to, you know, women of color, but really it was also to yourself, if I'm remembering that correctly.
1: Absolutely. You know, when we talk about kind of where things have happened in my life in the last like four or five years, I'm humbled because really the memo was, a weekly newsletter that used to come out every Monday, starting in 2015. And I would write about my experiences being a woman of color in the workplace, be it networking, pay equity, whatever the case, you know, what I was feeling. And I tell stories around it. And that's how I just started. I just started more of a a therapy session. And eventually (laughs) people started resonating and say, wow, that's been my experience too. And who knew that just writing my words down and, and giving life to them so that people could feel seen again, that that would turn into a, a best-selling book many years later. How did you know, though, that the blog needed to become a book? You know, that's a good question, because I didn't know that then. I did not know that then. I was really dreaming too small. You know, I, I was actually while I was writing the blog, uh, I was still in my workplace. So I was writing about these Inequalities while still experiencing the inequality, oh, wow. <laughs> so so it was definitely a weird juxtaposition. And so that was just a safe space for me. I didn't have safe space in my workplace, so that community that I created was the safe space to land. And it was a safe place for myself, but for so many others. And so I never expected to make any money to do anything. That was more so of just like here's a safe place for us to go. Right, come wow. on over here and find it. And then eventually through just people finding it and reading it, they said, you know what, this should be a book. And I <laughs> we probably will talk about it, but I pushed at that again, cause I'm very much an introvert. So I'm like, Oh no, this isn't a book. This could never be a book. I don't want to put myself out there like that. You know, let's just keep it the little blog. I'm comfortable with that. And then eventually I realized that this was bigger than me. This is, mm. we need to change the trajectory of workplace history.
0: And this is bigger than me. I feel like that is for all the people who are doing great work that helps to deepen this ecosystem we called connectivity. You have some sort of realization or moment where you realize that my experience is bigger than me and it needs to be shared. Now that was so bold though. You were in the midst of the trauma and you were writing about the trauma. <laughs> Were you ever worried that the people that you were, I mean, obviously, oh, I don't know. I didn't read the blog at that time, but I would assume that you're not using like, you know, very specific names of this person. But did you ever have a fear in the back of your mind that someone could read this, who you're working with? And then there would be repercussions because of that?
1: You know, at first I didn't think about that. I'm like, okay, obviously I'm not going to use names. I'll change things up a little bit, but I more so wanted to provide, here's been my experience and here's been tips that have helped me thrive through it. Right. So I kind of positioned it through that lens. And so I felt like, well, if somebody did find it from work, they, I didn't use their name. I'm not bad mouthing them, you know, those sorts of things. But eventually as my platform started to build a little bit, one day I literally, and I, I haven't told this story, I was in a workplace retreat one day and we were having like, our team was having a, a, a meal together, a team building meal. And one of my colleagues says, oh, you know, Minda, she writes this really popular blog. called. <laughs> <God. laughs> and I wanted to like, slide under this, this, the table at that point. And then my boss, who I write a lot about, uh, in my work, my former boss, he was like, tell us more about that. You know? So it was so funny. And then a year later I ended up leaving, but it was so interesting that at that moment at the table, I'm like, Oh, it's not a little blog anymore. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. <true. laughs> Actually, I heard that somewhere. It's like, you know, you're doing
0: something big when it gets to your inner circle and not through you. That's interesting. Now I, I was thinking about that. Would you, okay. You go to the blog. It's a safe space, which by the way, that is the thing that all humans crave, right? Is we crave a safe space, but then it becomes the book. Now, once it becomes the book, And a best-selling book at that. We're just going to take a moment and cheers to that. Congratulations on being a best-selling author. That's amazing. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Once you have the book out there, have leaders or colleagues from that season in your life, have they reached out? You know, have they asked about... What you went through, have the, what? How did they respond if they did reach out? How did they respond to hearing your experience and and reading it through? You know this compilation. Now it's not pieced together where you kind of have to find it here and there through articles. It's in one solid bounded book.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. It's there for for the for everyone to consume. I, I- Actually, So some of the, the bad characters in my workplace experience, I have not heard from them, nor did I expect to, right? But some of my colleagues that were kind of on the fringes who may or may not have known what i was experiencing i have heard from them and they might have worked in a different department or something like that and they're just oh my gosh minda thank you for this book you know i i needed it too in a different way and so i do have a lot of former colleagues who will say you've given me the inspiration to speak my truth or say what's going on and you've been an inspiration for me to see what's possible Mm -hmm. and so for me it, it means a lot to have the respect of my former colleagues to say congratulations minda I, I had no idea some of the stuff you were going through because you just were so gracious in your workspaces, and you know you've encouraged me to to leave or have difficult conversations that need to be had, and so it's been really affirming from my past colleagues to to hear from them.
0: Yeah, because it's always interesting to hear about what somebody's really going through when you don't know what they're really going through. And then for them to feel inspired by that, I mean, what a beautiful ripple effect to, to play in their lives. And when you talk about, I mean, this is how I've seen your brand also transform. I mean, you initially were talking very specifically about women of color in the workplace. And now, you know, talking about just being a woman of color in society, like I saw that start to evolve as well. And now I also love like being a woman also, like you're very much about like female equality. And so just seeing how you've been able to reach out and broaden that, I think is amazing. How has it been now that you're outside of those, you know, the structure of corporate America, how have you navigated being a woman of color in this new space of entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, when I first started writing the blog, the memo and started to, you know, become a public speaker, a lot of people would be like, oh, don't talk about race because the workplace isn't ready to talk about that. That was before the murder of George Floyd. And so people would still try to pigeonhole me into what to say, what not to say, those sorts of things. So I always kind of felt like a little, sometimes intimidated about speaking solely to women of color, even though I knew that we needed to hear it. So I stood firm in that. And even a lot of people don't know, but my blog had the opportunity to be acquired by a larger entity. And they said, if we acquire you, you have to stop talking about women of color. And I said, I'll well, I'll bootstrap until I can't anymore, because yeah. this is what I'm here for. And now that I get this opportunity to talk about it in this way, now I can show it's not just about race, it's about humanity, right? It's about humanity in the workplace. (laughs) So uh, being able, so thank you. Thank you for seeing that transition. So I started out in this way. I still center women of color, but this is about humanity, equity, dignity, and respect for all in the workplace. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. I feel that so much, which again, this is why our orbits were crossing before, because all the things that I stand for about creating these human centric workplaces, it really does just boil down to humanity. I mean, it, it is oversimplified, maybe. Is that why it's so complex to some people? but i'm like no this is very basic the same way that you desire respect or to feel safe or or valued the same way you want to be celebrated and lifted up and challenged and collaborate the same way you feel that so does the person next to you they may experience it in different ways they may communicate it in different ways obviously our differences you know should be celebrated because that's how we work together as an ecosystem and and one body if you will as humanity but i just I am always in awe of how that is such a big disconnect in corporate America. I mean, every single time I'm just like, my jaw's on the floor. Let me pick it back up and get to
1: work. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's like, okay, you want to show up and do the best work of your career. Why wouldn't your colleague want that same opportunity, right? You (laughs) want your name spoken in a room that you're in. Why wouldn't your colleague want to see that same thing? And it's like, okay, two things can be true at the same time. We might work at the same but we're experiencing this workplace very differently. So what do we need to do to remove barriers so that we all can thrive? And the other thing I wanna say, Karen, is a lot of people will say, well, you know, well, what about white men and women? Are you trying to push them out? When we talk about equity and humanity, that means everybody still has a place at the table. This isn't musical chairs. You know? exactly. <laughs> we're not
0: trying to rotate positions. We're actually, I think what it is, is we're really bringing everything into balance, right? We've been off balance for so long. We're saying like, can we
1: rebalance this out so everyone is there? And and that's the that's how we make the workplace work for everybody. That's how our team's, thrive. Right. And that's better for business. It's better for productivity. And I think once people leaders understand that competency is not a soft skill, that's a leadership skill. Absolutely.
0: I heard this quote one time and, uh, forgive me. I cannot think of where I first heard it, but I remember what they said, cause it just resonates so deeply. The diversity of this world is the strength of this world.
1: That right there. Have you ever heard that one before? I have heard it and I wholeheartedly agree with it.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is just, it is right there. The truth is right there in your face. But for so long, individual strength has been the driving force in our society. Now, I can't speak to all parts of the world. So my frame of reference is the American culture. But how do you help leaders to adopt this new perspective on strength that instead it's about self and it's about us collectively?
1: yeah, you know, I think some people get tripped up with the word privilege, right? So oftentimes the conversation is rooted in well, if you have privilege, you should be extending it to others. but really, privilege is power, right? And if we hold more power, why wouldn't we want to create space for someone else to share that power? I'm a big fan of the old Kanye, and he said, no one man should have should have all that power, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and, um, and we can divvy out the power so that so that the table is balanced, right? And I think as leaders, We should think, okay, what do I need to do? or another way to think about it is let me ask everyone on my team, what do you need from me to do the best work of your career while you're here? Wouldn't you want that from every single person, right? And you partner with them as part of their success team to get them to that next level. Like that's that's a win-win for all of us. So when we only uh, gravitate toward people who remind us of our younger self or someone who was a friend of the family, then we're missing out on all of this talent on the team. And I think again, when we, it's not always intentional, but we have to think about okay, I'm not intentionally hurting the other people on my team, but the impact is that, right? So my intentions and my impact need to be in alignment.
0: Yes, that's a good way to put it. My intentions and the impact need to be in alignment. Oh, we need to make sure that we plaster that on like a whole bunch of conference room walls like that. And you know what? That is a skill of a true people leader. And a lot of that starts with awareness. You know, I think that what really perpetuates this ignorance is a lack of awareness. And when I say ignorance, it's like, yeah, I, I don't have that information in my sphere of reality because I'm not aware that it should be a part of my thought process, a thought of my action, a thought of my intention. But but that is also, you know, as I see leaders starting to immerse in this new way of leading, it is coupled with, yes, we're trying to teach you new ways of leading, but also that is unlearning some of the ways that have historically you know, been in our systems, been in our processes, been in our belief systems, even not even, not even just the systems in the organization, like your internal belief system. So you have to couple learning this new info with unlearning the baggage that's not serving, serving us where we are today.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you said it so phenomenally. Uh, I think that A lot of us have to unlearn some of the lessons that we started with inside the workplace because they're not serving the workforce of the future, you know. And I think that this is where talent development or HR comes in to say, do our managers, do our leaders have the competency to lead in the 21st century and beyond? Because some of these skills, (laughs) I put it in air quote, you know, are not sustainable and they're not helping uh, the larger good of the organization. But then again, there are some skills that we could take with us. But I think we each of us, we can be, we're all leaders. You don't need a a title change for that to happen. We can all activate it. But what is our piece of this puzzle? And it really takes the whole ecosystem saying, how can I make it better than I found it?
0: Absolutely. Everyone can play a part. I read in this really great book, The Great Work of Your Life by Stephen Cope. Yeah. Hopefully I got that. right. And he said, you don't have to save the whole world. You just have to serve your corner of the world well. That right there takes the pressure off having to do everything. And sometimes I I think that when we, when we want to see, especially big changes, of course it feels daunting. You're like, how do we even begin? What, where do we go from here? And how can little old me contribute to this big change? Just start with the people around you. Cause when you start there, the ripple effect goes really far, really fast
1: listen amen to that because uh, we're really talking about the the micro groups that we have like sometimes when I'm at companies they'll say well how do we change the system it's hard to change the system but in your micro world that you work in your department, how on your team where do we start there right where does equity start with our team on our one-on-ones and our emails like we all have these we it's the employee journey when I come to your website, Does it speak to me that I would belong here? When I have a first conversation with your recruiter or your HR director, are the conversations equitable? Like the whole trajectory we have to think about from start to finish.
0: Absolutely. And I I feel like some good things are starting to change, you know, slow process, slow process. Is there anything that you've seen unique, whether it's through a client that you've worked with or just a personal experience that you have seen change with the times that you'd like actually to see more
1: of? You know, Karen, I would say, I know it's kind of a buzzword, but I do think it still stands, is empathy. The idea that we're being more empathetic to each other, right? Again, understanding that just because we're all, many of us are working from home, we're not experiencing the workplace the same. Some of our colleagues are still been going into the office, you know, so we're being more empathetic. We're talking about mental health more than we had. That used to be more taboo of a conversation. So I think that for a long time, the workplace was saying, bring your authentic self to work. And now we're actually seeing it demonstrated. So before it was lip service, right? And now you can show up a little bit more like, you know what, today is a hard day for me. I need a mental health day. You know, before it was like taboo to even like take a day off, say anything. Now employers are saying, take your paid time off if you have it, you know, those sorts of things. And you're able to to have some more harder conversations around race, gender, and identity than we could have in the past. And so I do think that's partially because leaders are saying, how do I need people? And people need different things from me than maybe I was able to give them. But what are the skills that I need? What are the competencies that I need to serve, right? And I think that we're seeing those sorts of things happen, more flexible hybrid schedules, realizing that everybody can't get back to the office. So I think we're... The workplace is having conversations in a real way that we weren't able to have before. And I think that's the catalyst because we can't confront what we're not willing to conquer. Oh,
0: let's go. Yes. One of the quote that I saw, I was speaking before a client and this quote was on the wall and I thought this was, man, so timely, so perfect. And Tony Shea, who is the former CEO of Zappos, was ahead of his time when he said this, I know. He said, if you can't measure the ROI of something, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it what's the ROI on hugging your mom? And it really brings it down to like those basic human values that we all desire, that we all connect through. And you may not see that, you know, fleshed out on a a spreadsheet that's going to show exactly how it's measurable in a real time data. But actually I think we are going to start seeing that because now that we're paying more attention to it, we will start to see the changes and the impact of helping our people be their full authentic self. Part of that comes in feeling comfortable in how you're showing up to work. Can I wear my curly hair? I remember going through that experience, right? Being a speaker, transitioning and wearing a sleeveless top that showed my tattoos. I remember that transition, right? All of these things that help us to perform at our best because we are in a calm state of mind. We are in a peaceful state of mind. And now we have the clarity to get into flow, which then affects our performance at work. Like They'll start to see the data around this, but at least we have more believers because it's true. You cannot, you may not be able to measure the ROI on everything, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it.
1: I agree with you. I think when we talk about the future of work, I think that's going to be part of the metrics, the empathy, the humanity, because if you're Your employee does not feel comfortable telling you that X, Y, and Z is going on. Or the reason why I didn't have my camera on isn't because I had a long night out. It was because there's construction in the background or whatever have you. We need to be able to feel safe to be able to have that that dialogue. And I think that's what a successful person is. Someone who is a courageous leader, but also a courageous listener. How are we listening to people?
0: Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. Conversation could go so far for so long. (laughs) So we got, we got to bring you back, but I do think about you often because you are in a space where, and I feel this at times too, where we're dealing with heavy stuff, right. And we are helping people to change very old antiquated ways of living and working and being all of that. And so I know this is important for me. And this is why I think about you often. It's important for you, Talking about this heavy stuff can feel heavy. How do you recharge and really safeguard yourself from burnout? Because we need you to stay in the game for the long term. So how do you take care of yourself?
1: Yeah, well, thank you for that. And I, I'm not just saying this because you said it to me, but I do think of you often too. And we have a mutual friend, Stephen Hart, and I, I'll often say, How's Karen doing? you know, and I now I just need to reach out and ask you how you're doing. But <laughs> it's one of those things where Recently, I'll be honest. I was on the go. I had two books coming out at the same time recently or around the same time period. And I had burned out. I literally had nothing left to give because I've kind of been on a hamster wheel for the last few years with the books and everything. And, and I realized that if I'm not taking care of me, then I can't be here to get to the finish line, right? I can't continue to do this work. And so I also have to create boundaries for myself. And that's okay. That's loving on myself, right? And reframing that. And so for me, uh, it was reconnecting with my therapist, making sure I have a safe place to land, because like you said, we're a lot of safe spaces for a lot of people. And so I'm retelling my stories often. I know you're telling your stories too and people are telling us their experiences and that's a lot to hold on to. And so I realized that part of my self-care was making sure I have those weekly or bi-weekly conversations with my therapist so that I have a safe space to decompress. And that's me time. And even if I just sit there for 60 minutes and I say nothing, that's for me. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, And carving out that space. And so realizing that we all need to set healthy boundaries that are defined by us.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you are pulling in those resources because we do, we need you. We need everyone who's willing to be brave enough to share their story and their life experiences. I love how you mentioned that earlier, that you weren't just sharing the experience, but you were sharing a takeaway or an action step or some sort of thoughtful response to the hardship you were going through. And that's really where that strength is, is built. So I just want to, since I am hugging you right now, hugging you with my words and, and just letting you know that we really really appreciate all this work that you're doing. I know you have many more books, probably living inside of you that will bless this world. So thank you. Thank you for your commitment to equity for helping so many find their truth and wishing you so much success on everything in your future.
1: Well, likewise, thank you for always seeing me. And like I said, success is not a solo sport. And thank you for being part of my success team. Appreciate you. Absolutely.
0: This has been In The Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast.